Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Block. I just informed my colleagues that I will be resigning. The accumulation of bad decision, we lost confidence in uh, Andrew Scheer. Defeated in an election that featured fear and smear. The party has been paying the private school fees for his children. We don't know who did what. We don't know who knew what. If uh, aluminum is not strongly protected in this treaty, the Bloc Québécois will vote against it. Some of it that I've seen so far is encouraging. A deal that hurts workers is a deal that, to me, is not one we should sign. I will be resigning as the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. I intend to stay on as leader of the party and the official opposition. And after some conversations with my kids, my, my loved ones, I felt it was time to put my family first. That was part of the sudden resignation of Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer last Thursday that shocked many political insiders and observers. It came following two months of public bloodletting for his failures on the election campaign and his post-election performance. Andrew Scheer's supporters deny he stepped down because of a story broken by Global News that he used party funds to pay tuition expenses for his children to attend a private religious school. Can Scheer stay on as interim leader, and what does it mean for the Conservatives. Joining me now is one of those caucus members, Michelle Rempel-Garner. Welcome to the program, Michelle. Thanks for having me. When this news came down about Mr. Shear's expenses and, and him using party money, which was approved by the party's executive director, but using party money nonetheless to pay for his children's private school education, what was your reaction? Oh, boy. I mean, you have to realize, like, this came out as he was resigning this week. So, you know, my... Did, did you know he was going to resign? I didn't. I don't think any of us did. So, you know, it was it was a lot to take in. Um, it's one of those days where you wake up and it's like, well, the day's not going the way I thought it was going to today. So uh, I think, you know, I know the party issued a statement. Um, this is a question for the party now. We have mechanisms to look at these types of issues. I know that the statement that was made was, was it within, they believe it was within the expenditures. But certainly, you know, um, I just want to make sure our donors are confident. Uh, and, and that's going to be a question for our National Council and the fund going forward. What have you heard from your constituents and your donors on this issue? To be honest with you, I've heard more in the last, you know, several hours about where we're going from here. I think that there's, uh, you know, a lot of um, people, I mean, I'm from Alberta, right? So what people are looking for is, is a signal from us that we're going to continue to fight for jobs in Alberta. People are, you know, wanting a signal of stability. And that's what I've been trying to pr push forward. Certainly, you know, looking at review and where we're going, uh, I think that's all very important. And um, my understanding is that our National Council, people that are on our fund, and certainly caucus as well, um, those are all things that we're undertaking and that we'll be going forward with. So I guess, you know, again, it's, it's a lot to di digest, but we now have an opportunity to really, I think, set a bold new vision for a party. And I think that's where we need to be focusing our efforts. Now, I do want to look forward, but just before we wrap up on the funds. Sure. I know the party sure. put out a statement saying the executive director negotiated this, that they felt it was appropriate, but senior members of the party, including former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, did not feel it was appropriate. So that's why I'm wondering if you feel that it's appropriate. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, 
I, the reason I'm, I'm kind of torn is like, you know, Andrew's, re Andrew's resigned, right? So um, I think as public servants, we always have to be very careful about perception in using funds for personal uh, expenses. I'm certainly very careful with that. And, um, I, you know, if, if, if Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Harper was out on this, I can just kind of imagine his voice when he would say something like this. There's probably a bit of a concern there. But that said, you know, I don't want this to be the thing that we're looking at with, with regard to Andrew's overall tenure. You know, I, I, I think he's resigned. Uh, we should be looking at the fund and how it's managed going forward. I think that's totally fair. And uh, giving people across Canada some level of assurance that we're focused on holding the government to account. Are you concerned that by leaving him in as the leader until there's a new mm -hmm. one that you're opening yourself up to more attacks or that people may not be willing to donate? Because we don't know if there's still money going to him during this time period to pay for the children's schooling. I mean, the reality is um, it takes a lot of effort and uh, management to ensure that any caucus in Parliament, but certainly a large one like ours, the official opposition, uh, is managed with stability, especially going through a leadership period. And, you know, you sort of start looking at the opportunity cost of, you know, do we go through an interim leadership while we're having a main leadership? And uh, for me, I think, you know, Andrew was the Speaker of the House. Uh, Andrew knows parliamentary procedure. We had a very good session in Parliament in the last, you know, the last parliament before the election in terms of holding the government to account. So I also think that this, there's some merit in stability. What kind of leader do you think the party needs? That's a great question. You know, I think we need somebody who's really bold and wants transformative policy that uh, very clearly and unabashedly and enthusiastically will come out and support the rights of all Canadians, regardless of their sexuality, their gender, their background, and somebody that gets that, you know, Canadians want, they don't want transactional politics. They want transformative politics. They want policy that reflects the, you know, the place of Canada and the world. We're a world leader. So, I want somebody who gets that and can do that. I want somebody who can um, and, and reach I, across generations, uh, build new voter coalitions. And, you know, we're how many years post Harper now? You know, like Stephen Harper left such a big mark on the party. Um, I want somebody who can be that big. Do you know who that person is? Do you have someone in mind? Who well, you, you know, it's, I, I think it's sort of. You have to realize, like, from a caucus member perspective, we're, we're all processing the fact that, you know, we were thinking we were going to be in a leadership review that was happening in April. We just had our leader resign. Um, and I think it's a bit too early to start speculating on that. Now, is the speculation occurring? Of course, I'm not ignorant to that. Um, but for me, you know, I've gone through a leadership recently and I didn't endorse anyone. Um, I've grown a lot in the last four years since the last time we went through a leadership. And I, 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 I am going to have a role to play one way or the other. And for me, it's, um, I want boldness and, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Would you be willing to put your name forward? Again, I think it's too early uh, to speculate. I will say, as you know, a woman in politics, I think the inclination is always to sort of shrink back and go like, "Oh well, you know, 
And I, I, I think I, there's a lot of women who automatically self-deselect in situations like this, so I won't do that. But I also am not going to start speculating when we're so fresh out of the gates, if you will. Um, for me, uh, I've given a lot of thought in the last, you know, since this happened, about where do I go from here, where do I spend time, and talk to caucus colleagues, people that are close to me about this. I really think it's time that we revision, not, not change our principles or anything, but really have a deep think about what the Conservative Party of Canada is in a 2021 campaign or whatever it's going to be. And that's exciting, and that's what I'm going to be spending time thinking about. Okay. Not ruling it out, though. We'll keep an eye on you. Thank you very much for joining us, Michelle. Thanks. Party leaders across the House and across the aisle offered words of praise last week to Andrew Scheer when he announced that he was stepping down as Conservative leader. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was one of those people, and he joins me here now in studio. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. You thanked Andrew Scheer. You're very magnanimous. Most people are in the House when somebody is stepping down in what is obviously a difficult personal moment. Mm -hmm. But you didn't comment on your thoughts on the, the story that had broken at the time, which was that he was using party money approved by the executive director of the party, but using party money that would have come from donations to help pay for his children's private school education. Do you think that's an appropriate use of funds? I think that's a decision that uh, between conservative members, the party, and, and Mr. Scheer, that they'll have to work out. I think people would look at where their donations go and, and expect that there would be some some spend some expenses that relate to the work of a leader and the travel of the leader for party purposes. Uh, but this probably wouldn't be what, what people would expect uh, money would go to, so I'm sure people are concerned about that in the, in the Conservative Party. There's always a little bit of a top-up, or I shouldn't say always, but often a little bit of a top-up for a leader. Tell me about your top-up, and <laughs> what kinds of things does the NDP allow you to use your money for as a leader? Well, I don't, I don't get a top-up, uh, per se, but it is something that's very normal, and, and previous leaders have had it. Um, one of the things that makes sense is when you're traveling for strictly party purposes, it's a, a fundraiser or something to generate more party excitement or enthusiasm. Those type of events would be where you'd be spending party funds. Obviously, the campaign is entirely run by donations, so that's where you'd be using uh, donated uh, resources to do the, the work that you do during a campaign. At times, you struggled as a leader. When you first came in, people said going into the election that you're going to have significant problems. You did lose seats, but you came out as the person who many Canadians said spoke to them the most clearly, that they, they felt they could connect with you. You seemed like a normal person. Andrew <laughs> Scheer didn't have that connection. People didn't seem to make that with him. I think there's people who would be surprised that we're sitting here with you today and, and you've sort of come out on top and Andrew Scheer, who was um, talking about his election performance and had more numbers, more strength, more money going in, is the guy who's gone. What do you think of when you look at this whole situation? Uh, well, it is, it is kind of interesting if you look at that, the irony of it all. I, I would say that the, the strength of the campaign for me personally, I don't point to my personal performance or a particular moment. I think that what we did as a team and what I did as a, as a candidate was anytime I had an opportunity to make the discussion about what people are going through, to talk about the people that I want to represent and I want to fight for, that's what I did. And that's what we did as a team. And I think that's the strength of the campaign. People looked at different moments and said, maybe at the blackface moment where Mr. Trudeau made it about himself and said, oh, I feel bad that I did it. And Mr. Scheer made it about who should be prime minister. I talked about people 
and what people were going through. And so a lot of folks praised that, but I really just wanted to talk about the impact it would have on, on a lot of young people who looked at that and felt maybe like they didn't belong and felt hurt, and I wanted to speak to them. And so throughout the campaign, that's what I tried to do, and that's what our team tried to do. How do we really capture what people are going through, the pain that they feel, the fear that they're going through, and how do we provide some solutions to those problems with things like investments in housing and making sure a healthcare system works and make sure that workers aren't left behind and we fight the climate crisis meaningfully while creating jobs. So that's what we tried to do. Let's talk about NAFTA because sure. there is a new NAFTA deal, NAFTA 2.1, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. This thing's had a million names. Uh, but first, let's listen to what you had to say earlier this week about the deal and the NDP's support for it. Sure. This one, we're not uh, coming out with our position on whether we're supporting or not. I want to read the deal and understand the details of it first. Uh, but I can say that some of it that I've seen so far is encouraging, and, and that is a good thing. And now you have had a chance to look at some of the text of that deal. Do you support NAFTA? So looking at it, it's something we're still working through. We're going to speak with some of uh, the folks impacted. There's been some concerns raised about the impact on aluminum and steel and, and looking at some of those concerns. But what I can say is that after the briefing I received and after reviewing some of the text, we've seen that the, the victories or the positive gains that we've been pushing for seem to be there. And what we'd called for for a long time was that there was three major concerns. Workers weren't being protected. The environment wasn't really being protected. And the changes in the agreement that the prime minister initially was going to sign would have meant that medication prices would have gone up by a lot. And so those are three really deeply concerning things. Those seem to be addressed in a pretty meaningful way. And I want to acknowledge that it wasn't that the prime minister, Prime Minister Trudeau, did this work or that the Liberal government did this work. It was really the Democrats in the South that work to make sure the deal was better for our own workers. So I think we should never be in this position again where American politicians are making a deal better for Canadian workers. Our own government should be doing that. And so we propose some solutions to that for the future. So does that mean you're going to vote in favor of this when it is introduced for ratification in the House? Well, we still need to speak with some of the stakeholders impacted. So while I see some of those positive gains, and those are important, I still want to make sure we reach out to all the people impacted. And one of the specific areas where there's been some concern being raised is the differential treatment of aluminum sector versus the steel sector. But the so head of the aluminum, sure basically, producers for Canada came out and said, we support this deal. Right. And there's, there's the, the head of companies and then those are the workers. And, and often we've seen industries make decisions or governments make decisions that the top of the industry, the heads of the industry say it's great, but then the workers say have a different story. They talk about job losses and struggles they're going so through. So you might be so willing to, to vote that. against NAFTA over the aluminum sector? Well, I want to make sure that the deal is something that's good for Canadians. And what I've seen in the past is deals sound good and the heads of organizations or, or industries the, the richest CEOs say it's a good deal, but then when you speak to the workers, they actually lose jobs and they're not actually in a better position. So I want to make sure we do our due diligence. We've looked at the text and we've looked at some things, but there's more work to be done. I want to speak with more folks. But I want my goal is this, that in any trade deal that we sign, the benefit shouldn't flow to the CEO of a company or to the executive board of a, of a powerful corporation. The benefit should flow to Canadian workers. And if that isn't the case, it probably shouldn't be a deal we move ahead with. If it does benefit Canadian jobs and Canadian workers, then it's something we should go ahead with. Thank you very much for joining sure. us. Thank you. By unanimous agreement, we want Andrew Scheer to stay on as full leader. That was Conservative National Caucus Chair Tom Kimmick. Questions about Andrew Scheer's support, despite what he said in front of the cameras, here to talk about that are joining me are two very seasoned and experienced journalists who've seen it all on the Hill, the Globe and Mail's Ottawa Bureau Chief Robert Fife and John Iveson from the National Post. 
caucus is publicly saying they support Mr. Scheer, but do you think he'll be able to stay on as interim leader, Bob? That's a good question. Um, it depends on how much of a blowback there is in the grassroots about the fact that the Conservative Party fund was paying for four of his five children's private education. That is a bombshell of a story, and we haven't seen the end result of what that's going on. I mean, I know that a lot of people in the party are very angry about that, and they're concerned as well that leadership candidates will be asked, well, should he pay back the money? Um, they are. They, you can be sure when MPs get home, uh, their cons constituents will say, "Why? Are, wh why? Why did this happen? Shouldn't he be paying back the money?" So I think it's still a problem for Andrew Scheer. Uh, what, so whether he can remain as interim leader, we'll wait and see. But jury's not out on this yet. Well, and John, the party's executive director is saying, "Look, there's nothing to see here. Totally normal. We often pay uh, a top up to party leaders. This was typical. I had an agreement." Does that logic fly in your experience that, that people would be using money for this kind of thing for private school tuition? I think that there's always been a discretionary fund for leaders, and I think Harper had one. Um, you know, for, for example, if they fly to a government event and then they have to fly to a, a party event afterwards, then there's a, that money goes towards some, some party expenses. But I think that there's a, there was a distinct lack of transparency, and I think that many party members who donated did not think that they were uh, paying for for Andrew Shear's children's education, whether it's the, dis the discrepancy or the differential between Regina fees and Ottawa fees or the entire fee. It wasn't clear to me what, what the, the end result of that was. I asked that question and they didn't clarify. And they if, sure haven't. <laughs> if, it was the, if it was the full amount, it's a lot of money, um, you know, 15000 potentially per kid for multiple years. So it, I think that, Bob's right, there's still some questions to be asked, but I think there's there's... The, the main question was whether Andrew Shear was going to leave. There's no great animus towards him as an individual. A lot of people like him as a person, and I think that they, he will be given the benefit of the doubt, I think. But I don't think uh, the party's direct, national, national director is going to be around for very long. People want a head. He's the guy who approved it. I think he's going to get fired. And here's the problem it has with the Conservatives. Stephen Harper did not send his kids to a private school. They went to a public school. Justin Trudeau, Mr. Elite, which uh, uh, Mr. Scheer ran on in the election campaign, sends his kids to a public school. And now we find out that Mr. Scheer, who has tried to present himself as a Mr. Ordinary Guy, who, by the way, lives in Stornoway, very nice subsidized mansion in Rockcliffe, which is the most elite area of the city, has a car and drivers, makes over $250,000 a year, Ask the party to pay for his kids to go to a private school. I think what, this you, is not going to go when over you go well. you the Conservative website and the donation page, it says support Andrew Scheer. I don't think the, <laughs> the donors thought People they were thought doing it was that, that quite that <laughs> Well, when you look ahead, just now we're talking about who, who else is going to run, who's going to step up mm -hmm. to the plate. Who do you think, John, is sort of your top three for front runners well, here? Well, the one th I, I, none of us know because it's, it, people are still mulling their options. Mm -hmm. Um, but the one thing I would say that I saw Gerard Deltel this morning saying, uh, or on Friday saying, um, whoever it is is going to be bilingual. And I think that is the minimum price of entry. I mean, just having just covered the election campaign, if you've got to win votes across the country, not just in Quebec, but in francophone areas of, of the rest of the country, uh, and be in a French language debate, you've got to have a reasonable level of French and English. Uh, I mean, Deltel's problem might be the other way around, that, he, that his English might be considered not good enough. But I, I think he's a, a, 
inside the caucus is a realistic contender. I think Aaron O'Toole in the and in, inside caucus is realistic. I think there will be one candidate from the progressive side, probably Peter McKay, but I think a lot of people like Mark Mulroney. Uh, he may be a candidate. A lot of people like Ron Ambrose, but I think Ron Ambrose is not going to like the idea of giving up a very comfortable lifestyle and coming back into politics. Brad Wall was promoting her on Twitter last yeah. week as a potential leader. Right. Well, and uh, Bernard Lord, uh, the former New Brunswick premier, is seriously uh, mulling a uh, run for the leadership. He is perfectly bilingual. Ron Ambrose's French is not bad, uh, a lot better than Peter McKay's. She would be uh, the greatest threat for the Liberals, which is why they've been talking about seeing if they can get her appointed ambassador to, the, uh, to uh, Washington to take her <laughs> off the playboard. Because I have no doubt that if Ms. Ambrose had been the leader in this election campaign, the Conservatives would be back in power. She's a fiscal Conservative, but she is not afraid to walk in uh, gay pride parades. She doesn't make... Um, Social progressive, socially, uh, she's not a social um, conservative. conservative mm -hmm. In the, or, or, or at least she doesn't make it a major issue of of her ever in her campaigning. So, she's to me the the one we really have to watch and whether she's I actually going to. I think the, I, the idea of of Justin Trudeau having to f fight against a female candidate from Ontario or Quebec is his worst nightmare. And. Part of this question has been how much of the problem was Andrew Scheer and how much is the party? Because there still are, even if Andrew Scheer goes, elements yeah. in the party that are social conservative that are very influential. Is this the turning point for the Conservative Party where they choose a different you know, kind of conservative? This is a good question because the Conservatives have to make up their mind whether they want to be a party of special interest or whether they want to be in government. And, you know, Mr. Harper was successful in, in telling the social conservatives, we can do some things for you. But we are going to, we want to be in power. And if we're going to be in power, we have to be a big tent party and we can't be the voice of social conservatives. And, and the problem that Mr. Scheer had is that he, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, said, I'm the party of social conservatives. And that did not go over well with urban Canada. And he, they cannot win unless they broaden it out and become more of a center right party. And they also, we all know, have to come up with a, an environmental plan that wasn't taken out of the books of the oil industry. John? Yeah, I, I agree entirely with that. Thank you very much Thank to you. our journalists. Thanks. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.